Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marks and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, me, you idiot. Welcome everybody to the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is episode number 162. And my guest this week is author William Brian Smith. Will has lived a pretty interesting life. He's a former private investigator who now teaches English and literature in the Pennsylvania State Correctional System. Now, he's done a few other things in between, which we'll cover in our conversation. But again, just a a really, really interesting fella who's done a lot of really neat stuff in his life. And I had a great time talking to him for this week's episode. Uh, as I mentioned just uh, just a few moments ago, he's an author. Uh, Will is an author, and his latest book is called Free Range Men. The story is about, is about a man named T.J. Beckerman, who was unlucky in life and love. He's newly divorced and struggling to make ends meet as an overworked and underpaid adjunct professor, whiling away his evenings hopping from dive bar to dive bar with his boozy friends. He spends a lot of time skirt chasing, but he still pines for his ex-wife, who happens to have a new love interest. All the while, Beckerman struggles to maintain a presence in his still impressionable son's life. Strapped for cash and desperate to pay his child support obligations, he takes a cue from a fellow professor and enters into a very questionable sideline. A shady business sure to end what little of an academic career he's got left. And that's Free Range Men. Uh, Will is an outstanding writer, and you can get his book, Free Range Men, at Main Street Rag, the Main Street Rag, which you can find at MainStreetRagBookstore.com. He's also got another book, The Late Great Thor McHugh, which is available on Kindle at Amazon.com. And so if, if you want to buy his book, The Late Great Thor McHugh, on Amazon, along with Free Range Men, which, uh, just to be clear, it's exclusively available at the Main Street Rag, so you can't get Free Range Men at Amazon, but you can get his book, The Late Great Thor McHugh, on Amazon. It's in Kindle. Uh, I, I would I would highly encourage you to get both, and before you go to Amazon, first go to the official website of this podcast, which you will find at martinlestrapsshow.com. Go to the shop page. At the, shop, at the top of the shop page, there's an Amazon banner. Click that banner. It's going to take you straight to Amazon. Do all the same shopping you're going to do otherwise, including getting yourself a Kindle copy of the late, great Thor McHugh. Uh, You can do some other Amazon shopping uh, while you're there. And whatever money you spend, Amazon in turn will kick back a few pennies our way. It's just a small percentage of the money that you actually spend. They don't take any extra money out. It's basically a a courtesy that because you went through the website, the official website of the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour, they then kick back a few pennies our way, and then we get to take those pennies and reinvest them back into the show. And that allows us to make the Martin Lestrap Show podcast hour as good as we can possibly make it for you, which we strive to do week after week after week. Also, if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, 
I highly recommend you do so. You can do that at iTunes, where the show is available. All 162 episodes are available on iTunes, and it's free. And every week, a new episode will drop into your iTunes list. My gift to you, and I am happy to do it for you. If you're not an iTunes listener, because not everybody is, you can also catch the show on Stitcher Radio, which you'll find at stitcher.com. Uh, you don't have to subscribe to Stitcher, but uh, I believe that's an option for you over there. And, of course, if neither one of those does it for you, you can always listen the old-fashioned way by going to martinlestrapshow.com, where, again, all 162 episodes are available for you. So, that's enough of that. Let's say we get on to my conversation. Or, I guess, our conversation? I didn't talk by myself. Whatever. You you get what I mean. If all of that sounds good to you, here is my conversation with the author of Free Range Men, William Brian Smith. I was born in, uh, actually, in, in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, my uh, my my mom and and uh, my my father at the time lived uh, in uh, in Connecticut, and I was born in the uh, Yale New Haven Hospital. Um, don't remember much of, of uh, Connecticut. I was pretty young, and then uh, uh, parents were both from uh, Pennsylvania. So um, about uh, I guess maybe I was about ten months old. Uh, my uh, parents divorced. And uh, my mother and I moved back to, uh, to Pennsylvania, uh, where you know I've lived uh, most of my life in um, in the uh, Pennsylvania uh, coal region. So, um, which is a uh, socio-economically, I think that's the proper term, uh, depressed area. And <laughs> um, actually, um, is um, I guess now would be ground zero for uh, Trump Trumplandia. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so um, that's where I've been uh, most of my life. Um, you know, went to uh, went to high school here. Um, you know, uh, undergrad uh, at Mansfield uh, University, uh, which is a you know a, a pretty uh, you know at least it was when I was there a blue collar uh, blue collar school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the. Um, uh, all first-generation uh, college students at the time. So we, uh, the only uh, point of reference we had um, was was Animal House. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's how, how we conducted our, ourselves there. Um, and uh, yeah, we really didn't. Uh, <laughs> it was just shenanigans. So, uh, but um, that's uh, that's where I went to school. Uh, I, I was pretty, um, uh, you know. Pretty impatient uh, back then, uh, and uh, you know, I drifted in and out of college for a few years. Um, you know, I worked uh, to some different things. I did. I was a, a store detective for a time um, at a, a like a, a regional department store. Um, you know, I, I did. Uh, I was a skip tracer for a uh, collection agency, and uh, you know, I, I really. Uh, y- to look at me, I mean, I'm, I'm like a middle-aged uh, Harry Potter. I have no no business. <laughs> I have no business being in, in any of those type of uh, career. Um, I, and I spent, I actually spent, um, you know, close to a decade uh, as a private investigator. Uh, and again, you know, not 
or didn't really have the uh, uh, intestinal fortitude or the, the temperament for it. Um, but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, spent a lot of days sitting on surveillances and um, yeah, did a lot of reading. Um, that's kind of where um, you know where I became interested in, in writing. I mean, I, I've I've been a writer, um, uh, you know, since I was a teenager. I, I used to write a lot. Um, used to draw a lot too. And, and um, at a certain point, I thought I'd be a, um, but, you know, I'd go to an art school. But um, some somewhere along the line, if it was a guidance counselor, somebody said that you couldn't make any money uh, in art. So uh, um, I believed them, and they said criminal justice was the way to go. <laughs> So um, that that's what I got got involved in, and uh, like I said, I did uh, some uh, PI work for a number of years, and never felt uh, never felt comfortable doing it, mm. um, but <laughs> but I did it, and uh, that's it. we we definitely have. So it's funny I'm listening to you talk, and we have a lot of uh, uh, what uh, a lot of similarities at the very what well, the the it. So the fact that you're a writer, certainly we have that in common. Uh, but the fact that uh, you were you were also interested in uh, being an artist, um, I I was I I had I had uh, the exact same ambitions when I was younger, um, long before I ever even imagined I'd, I'd be a writer. Uh, I I I loved you know I drew pictures. I, I loved comic books. I always fancied that I would uh, that I would one day draw comic books for a living or do something with that, just because it's what I it was it was. Seemingly the only thing that I really, really enjoy doing that I was also half decent at. And uh, in my case, I didn't have a, a guidance counselor that sort of uh, pointed me in a different direction. But it, it was actually just more more self-imposed. And I, and I so I wonder if you can relate it on any level. But in my case, it was sort of – It was sort of I, – I, I knew what I, – I knew what I imagined um, – not even what I imagined. Like I knew what good artwork looked like, particularly in terms of, say, like comic book drawings. And I knew that I was pretty good. And if uh, and if you if you showed my artwork to somebody who didn't necessarily look at comic books, they would probably think, yeah, that's that's pretty good. But like I like for me, like I knew the difference of what I was doing and what the pros were doing. And I felt like I'm not getting any better at this. Like I'm sure if I kept working at it. I would have got a little bit better, uh-huh. but I could feel like I, you know, at, at that point I was like 17, 18 years old and I could just feel like I'm not, I, I, I don't feel like I'm getting any closer to what these professionals are doing. So I need yeah. to figure something else out. Cause I don't imagine this is going to pay off for me. Um, I, I wonder if you had any feelings like that, like that, or was it just purely a guidance counselor financially saying, you know what, you know, you might enjoy this, but it's not going to be very, uh, lucrative. Well, you know, it, it's funny. Um, now, I, I went to uh, to high school in the '80s and um, uh, graduated in '88. In, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I was a, a closeted uh, comic book reader. Um, <laughs> you know, there there was uh, there was one place in town uh, that uh, sold um, comic books. I had a had a large uh, magazine rack, and uh, it was a um, like a, a a greasy spoon, uh, you know, like a luncheonette type place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I would, uh, I'd go in there, you know, I'd look over my shoulder uh, at the time, it, you know, comic books uh, and, and being a nerd, none of that was cool, you know? <laughs> uh, 
So, I mean, I, I'd go in there and make sure there wasn't anybody that I knew, and then you know, I'd grab uh, you know, a copy of X-Men, and, you know, uh, Batman, uh, you know, whatever, a whole bunch, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, get to the counter quick and, and pay and get out of there. But, um, yeah, similar to you, I, I had aspirations, aspirations to be a, uh, a comic book artist, um, even to the point of, um, you know, thinking about uh, enrolling in the, uh, the Joe Kubert School in uh, New Jersey. Hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, I remember, um, I remember seeing some of the artwork uh, that some of their students were doing at the time and thinking, oh, man, that's, that's better than I can do. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I thought I still had, you know, some upside uh, that I could uh, potentially get better um, so I, I don't know if at that point I thought about like, Hey, I don't know if I could do this. Like I thought that I had maybe raw talent that, uh, uh, that, that a school like that with, uh, you know, professional instructors could maybe draw, uh, bring out of me. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I'm blaming a, a guidance counselor. It may have been a, a friend It may have been somebody, but I remember somebody saying to me, you can't make any money doing that. Um, which, you know, I mean, now now it's all Marvel and, and DC and, oh, yeah. and all the other independent, uh, you know, comics out there. And, uh, yeah, that was enough. I, I remember somebody selling me on criminal justice and, and saying that this is, you know, this is going to be the, the, the field of the future. And, you know, um, <laughs> and, and so uh, that's what I did. I, I initially studied uh, criminal justice and, uh, you know, it um, yeah I, I still I still think about it sometimes you know uh, if I would have made that decision if, even if uh, I could have been working maybe in a uh, advertising firm yeah. or anything you know um, and, and it, this was before basically before graphic design and mm-hmm. it, you know be, it was a, a degree of any kind so um, you know I, I mean I I've, I had nothing but notebooks in high school of uh, where there should have been you know trigonometry notes and. and <laughs> Uh, yeah, there, there were drawings and there were comics, and I would do that to entertain everybody else, and and uh, you know at the, at the expense of my my grades, I guess. But <laughs> you know, when I my uh, it was my senior year in high school, I think it was the the first week of my senior year, so definitely a, a point in time where I was I was thinking about the future. I was certainly nervous about the future because I had no idea what I was going to do with myself, except I just knew that I enjoyed art. And I and I wasn't quite at the point where I was ready to kind of give it up at, at that point, but um, but I still didn't know what, what the future held. And so, uh, so my godfather, uh, uh, very close to that first week of school, had, I think at a party or something, met some executive for uh, Hanna-Barbera. And so he said, oh, you know, my, my godson, uh, you know, he's, a, he's an artist. He's looking to do something like this. And so he set up uh, just just like a tour of the Hanna Barbera studio, which was um, uh, very nice. Oh. So, I, so I remember it was that first week of senior year and going to this the, the Hanna Barbera studio, and it was a uh, it, it was it was a very cool experience. And and I remember I, I wish I could remember the guy's name because he was very nice. But the thing that I remember remember most about this tour was when we got to the part where, in my memory of it, we were walking down a hallway and every door there was. An artist in a in a in a dark room, except for like a the desk and a light over their desk and shining down on whatever work they were doing. And I swear, every single artist I walked by, uh, like sometimes maybe he would call in and say, "Hey, this is a you know." Hey, this is a you know. So it was Martin. He's you know looking to be an artist, and 
and they they would look at me, and I don't even know I don't even know if they meant to do it or if they even realized what they were doing. But every one of them had a look on their face like, "Don't do it, kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't want yeah. this life." Uh-huh. And they didn't even say it with words, but that stuck with me. Like they don't look very happy. Yeah. Right. Well, and you know, and, and maybe it's one of those things where, um, you know, it, it, it's it, you love to do it. But when your livelihood depends on it, it it takes the joy out of it, and and you know maybe uh, changes it somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and you know I've never I've never made a living off of being a writer. Um, I consider myself a writer. That's why I identify as. Of course. But um, but but yeah, I made the decision uh, a while ago that I, I needed to earn a living outside of writing. Um, I didn't. Um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily want to be the struggling artist or the starving <laughs> artist. Um, I, 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 I've, I have two kids. Um, I've got uh, a student loan, a graduate school loan that I have to pay back. You know, um, I, I can't afford to uh, <laughs> to be that guy. So, um, yeah. So I I've, I try to write in in, in create in in between. You know. Uh, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I I I teach college, um, but that's it's a part-time gig. You know, it's with the community college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I teach evenings. Uh, I have I have a day job um, that has. I mean, I, I can't say it has nothing to do with writing because I actually write all day long. Um, I, I'm a, a claims adjuster. I work for a, an insurance company, and um, I, I mean it, it's. I, I think part of the reason I have the job is because I'm I'm a writer, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know I, um, I I pretty much uh, yeah people tell me uh, about their accidents and, and then I have to uh, you know uh, want to call it transcribe I mean I I have to you know I note the, the file mm-hmm. um, of what they're telling me. Um, I mean, there's more to it. There's a whole um, investigative side of it. Uh, you have to investigate the claim, um, but the, uh, you know, there's all type of um, letters to write. There, there's disclaimers and reservation of rights, and there, there's trial reports. And, and uh, you know, I draw heavily on uh, on my my experience as a writer. Um, you know, it uh, all day long. Um, in order to to earn uh, a living, I mean, and I I did that as an investigator as mm-hmm. well. Um, I mean, there were there were the investigative reports. That there's got to be some type of narrative uh, to it. It's got to make sense. It's got to it's got to tell a story. Um, you know, when when you're uh, documenting a file uh, on, on a particular uh, claim or an accident, it's the same thing. You're 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 still you know it's got to it's got to read as a story. Um, so. Um, you know, the, the downside to that is, um, you know, a lot of days I come home <laughs> and, uh, there's nothing left in the tank, uh, to write, <laughs> right. you know, um, and, and, I mean, in, in certain days I'm racing between the day job, you know, to the, uh, to one of the campuses of where I teach or, you know, now I'm, uh, the, uh, the, the college that I teach, uh, for is now, um, you know, working with several, uh, uh, state prisons. So I, I've been teaching in the correctional system for the past um, past semester, um, which has been a very unique experience. 
um, you know, a maximum security prison and a, a medium and, and maximum uh, security uh, prison. So um, it, it's it's different. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was curious because you do have such a such a, a really interesting and so I, I, it's probably, I think it's fair to say an eclectic professional background from being a private investigator, claims adjuster, uh, college professor, even throwing you know, a writer in there. Uh, well, it keeps turning. Ahead, it keeps. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. It keeps turning back on to itself. Uh, you know, with the uh, corrections and criminal justice and and writing and oh, it's sure, now yeah. kind of. Yeah, it's it's kind of uh, bizarre. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I cut you off there. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't. You have nothing to apologize for. I was just so one thing that I was interested in. Cause, you know, starting with the, the you know the, your um your your life as a private investigator for uh, as long as you did it is my so my first thought is that it just sounds like a fascinating profession, and it, it also just uh, perhaps because my only real experience with private investigators is what I've seen in TV and movies and maybe you know, read about read about in, in books, it feels like a profession that's tailor-made for somebody who's eventually going to become an author, whether it's just, you know, being exposed to interesting characters or stories or uh, or, or just being, you know, I, I imagine that as a, as a private investigator, part of what you're doing is, you know, um, putting, putting pieces together to, to, to learn about a particular person or put together, you know, character studies, so to speak. Um, so, so I'm curious uh, if, if my, if the way I imagine uh, being a, a private investigator relating to writing, if, if any of it's close to the truth or is it just completely different than what I'm imagining? <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's both, I guess. Um, I mean, you know, that there, there's long hours. Um, well, I guess, I guess I should back up. I, I worked for um, an investigative firm uh, mostly um, for most of the time that I was an investigator, and, and they, um, you know, they, they serviced mainly the, the insurance industry. Um, so it, it was a lot of like uh, workers' compensation surveillances and, mm. and, and things of that nature. Um, uh, surveillance is where they made their money. Um, you know, n- those were ten-hour days in a in a minivan. You know, with tinted <laughs> windows and, and uh, <laughs> you know, and we're talking about 1990s. So uh, the technology wasn't quite a, as compact. So I mean, I mean, these these, these uh, uh, video cameras were gigantic. You know, mm-hmm. and they made all kind of noise and but anyway so you'd have it on a tripod you know like if uh, if it was a workers comp uh, case where you know uh, uh, an insurance company suspected that maybe um you know maybe this guy's uh, injuries weren't all uh, that he was claiming um they might order to order up two or three days of surveillance mm-hmm. and uh, they were normally like 10 hour days you'd get there at uh, before 6 a.m. um you know find a spot and um, you know, hope for the best. You know, you set up your camera inside your your van. Um, at that point, uh, they they you know you were using these gigantic VHS tapes, so um, they, they didn't have the technology to uh, necessarily like take uh, screen captures or anything like that. So you also had a 35 millimeter camera, you know, with a big uh, telephoto lens on it. So um, you know, you'd you'd find a spot, uh, you'd set up your camera, and you'd wait. And, um, you know, a lot of times you didn't have a good uh, description of what the person looked like. They, they didn't provide you with a photo or anything like that. So, 
um, you know, you'd sit there and, and you, you would hope that you had the right guy. You would sometimes make a phone call to the house. Like if uh, somebody, you know, if you had somebody that, that generally matched the description uh, of your guy and he was out there maybe, you know, raking leaves or, or doing some yard work, you would call the house um, with some type of pretext um, to see if he would go answer the phone or if somebody would call him in so that you knew you had the right guy. Um you know, there were days where you, you didn't see anything, where nobody came out of the house, and you would make calls and, and you know, uh, some type of pretext call to, to confirm that they were in the house. Um, you know, you'd sometimes have to go knock on the door with some weird pretext. Um, you know, and, and at a certain point, um, when uh, I, I would say maybe about uh, five or six years into it, it seemed like... Um, it seemed like a lot of the uh, the claimants were were becoming wise to uh, what to look out for, whether it was their attorneys telling them or whatever. But um, you know, they there were some that were pretty savvy, and they'd come out and and you know they would look for strange vehicles on their street, and and uh, particularly ones with tinted windows, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and come over and blow your your cover. I mean. Uh, you know, th- there were moments where I've followed somebody and they caught on because it's not um, it's not necessarily like Magnum PI um, where you know where you can follow somebody and not get caught. I mean, you you have to be behind them with red lights and traffic and everything else, um, or you're going to lose them. Especially if you're following somebody um, in an area that you're not familiar with, and uh, you know this company would send me all over the Northeast, so. Um, I was often in a strange town or a city that uh, I was not familiar with. Um, but, you know, if if they were looking for you, um, they would see you. I mean, you, you'd be in their, their rearview mirror, um, and, you know, if you were trying to hug the, the corners, you know, the turns or whatever, um, you know, they, they could, they, if they looked for you, they, they would find you. So, um so surveillance was, was tricky. Um, I, I don't know if I was ever really good at it. Uh, you know, they, normally you would either lose them in the first like 10 or 20 seconds uh, because you didn't adapt to either how fast they were driving and, and um, or, or you waited too long and they would turn a corner. You'd turn the corner and all of a sudden they were gone and you weren't sure which way they, they went. Or you'd be on them all day. You know, it was kind of weird like that. You'd either lose them right away or, or just stick with them all day long. Um, you know, so, uh, some of the cases were interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I remember um, it, it one in uh, Western PA, uh, Western Pennsylvania, they had sent me out there to f- uh, find somebody. Um, it, it, the insurance company had lost contact with the guy and they weren't sure where he was. So, um, and, and they were the kind of cases that I, I excelled at. Um, I, I was good at locating uh, people. Um, I was good pretty much at anything where I had to do actual uh, legwork, uh, you know, actual detective work rather than just um, surveillance. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I had, I don't know how many pages of notes uh, and kept, uh, you know, searching for this guy, getting a little bit closer. He was very transient, moving from here uh, all over the place. And each person I, I talked to, I remember them telling me, like, oh, you you don't, probably don't want to meet up with him uh, we hear the FBI is looking for him or you know legal 
sale of firearms, and they were saying, I think it was like uh, the ATF was after him. And then, then uh, I don't know if it was an ex-girlfriend I spoke with said that she thought he may have killed somebody. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, this is great. You know, like, uh, I, I don't want to find this guy. Um, but I but I did, and, um, you know, so I, I never had to actually uh, talk to him. I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm a coward, so... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I don't know what would have happened. But I mean, I, I you know, it, it, we didn't carry we didn't carry a, a, a weapon of any kind. You know, I've never fired a gun. Uh, I'm I'm a pacifist. I'm a vegetarian, actually. So I, you know, <laughs> I was just in the wrong. Uh, you know, th- there were a lot of guys. So a lot of the guys I worked with were they were gung ho. I mean, uh, I, I remember one guy that was in the reserves, and and like he he used to put the gre the uh, face paint on, you know the. Uh, <laughs> camouflage and, and he'd go laying in the woods you know with his his video camera in, in the cold <laughs> well i would sit uh you know because sometimes we'd have to do it like a two uh two-man surveillance or whatever and he'd be like i'll go out in the woods and i'm like you go ahead i'm gonna sit in here and listen to the radio and <laughs> have a warm <laughs> with, the, with the, the engine running and the heat on so <laughs> um uh, that's funny. So I, yeah, I wasn't. Um, I, I I can tell you, I, I wasn't Philip Marlowe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I did I did my I was more Clouseau probably than anything. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, along the way, and it sounds like almost definitely it was after your uh, your days as a private investigator. Uh, you uh, you got into an MFA program at Bennington College in uh, Bennington, Vermont. Uh, and and so I um, I, I've never uh, I've never had the uh, the opportunity to uh, to be in an MFA program, but I'm always fascinated to, to talk about writers who did go through uh, MFA. And, and actually, for anybody listening who's not familiar, that's a Master of Fine Arts program. There, it's generally it's, it's a graduate program for um, whatever whatever fine art you have to be in. But in this case, it would be an MFA in in creative writing. So, so for you, uh, it, it, when you got into this MFA program, uh, had, had you done, uh, uh, um, well, I guess you would have done some college work before that. Um, was there, was there, um, a window between when you first went to college and got into the MFA program? And then also how much, uh, uh, I guess not, well, I, I guess I'm thinking how much writing were you doing, but also, uh, like mentally, where were you in terms of, you know, um, how, how, uh, gung ho you were about pursuing a career as a, as a writer at this point? Well, um, you know, at, at the tail end of, uh, my, my, uh, stint as an investigator, um, I, at, at some point, um, you know, I, I used to read all the time. Um, uh, I mean, with those long hours, it, it was actually the perfect job for reading, um, you know, sitting in a car all day on a surveillance, um, and um, I started to to uh, write. And um, you know, I, it, there was this this moment, I guess, where I was reading and, and reading, and thought, you know, I I think I could do this. Um, and um, you know, they, we the the company had uh, issued us uh, laptops to do our reports, and you know, I'd sit in there in a car and write my. My reports, and then I, I started to uh, to work on a novel um, while while in the car, uh, trying to make the most of, of my time. Um, and then um, there came a point where that company that I had been working for went out of business, and um, at that point I was a college dropout. I'd uh, 
I had done, I think, three semesters at Mansfield uh, off and on, uh, you know, in, in uh, criminal justice. And, um, uh, you know, the, the, I, I was at that point looking for um, looking for a career or a job that um, w- would allow me more uh, more of a nine to five, uh, you know, hours uh so that I could have a, a schedule where I could write. Um, you know, the, the, uh, I, I'm a, a creature of habit. I, I need, uh, I need to, to settle into a routine and there just was no routine, uh, with that, with that job. Um, so I, I ended up, um, getting a job as a, uh, trainee, uh, for, uh, uh claims adjusting. Uh, it, it just so happened that, that one of our, at the time, the firm that I worked with, it was one of our biggest clients, uh, and so when they were going out of business, um, the uh, uh, president of the company had written a letter of recommendation for me, and, and I, I got in, uh, you know, got hired there um, as an adjuster. Um, and, and that was in Reading, uh, Pennsylvania, and um, right down the street was a, a community college, um, and the uh, you know the company um, the company had. Uh, at the time, uh, tuition reimbursement. So, um, so I went and, uh, I got, uh, I got an associate's degree there in just, the, I think it's in liberal arts. It's like real generic, uh, you know, uh, but, uh, had, had a, uh, a good English professor there, um, took a number of courses with him and, and uh, that really, um, really stoked my interest in, in, in literary, uh, writing, you know, in, in, uh, you know, all things literature. Um, and then at that point, then, um, Mansfield, um, started offering, um, online. You could, you could finish your degree if you had at least like 64 credits, I think it was. So, um, so I ended up, um, finishing my, my bachelor's degree online through Mansfield, uh, with my credits between, um, you know, like before that I had taken at Mansfield plus the, uh, the community college. And, uh, I switched up majors and, um, ended up with a bachelor of arts degree in art history, um, with, uh, with a minor in, um, in criminal justice since I had so many credits already. So it's really bizarre and <laughs> worthless, uh, you know, education, uh, that I have, uh, but I, I, you know, but the, the second time I went back, it, it, you know, wasn't necessarily for a career. Um, I, I, I like art, um, you know, like you and I just spoken about a little bit earlier. Um, it, it was my, my initial plan, uh, of some sort. So I felt like, um, uh, you know, I was able to, um, put that to bed at least, you know, and I, I really enjoyed studying art, um, in, uh, art history. So, uh, but, but at that point that the plan was to, um, you know, try to get into an MFA program after I, I finished, uh, with Mansfield, which I think was in 2008, I think it was. Um, but, um, yeah, and I applied to a number of uh, low residency programs because I, I mean, at that point, uh, I was married, uh, I had, uh, you know, two small kids, and uh, there just wasn't that. Uh, I didn't have that opportunity where I could try to apply to a fully funded, uh, full-time program. Uh, I just, I couldn't do it. I, I had too many financial responsibilities. So. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I applied to a number of um, uh, low residency programs. Most of them are in Vermont, um, and, and uh, but Bennington was the my my top choice, and and I, I was able to get in. And uh, you know, it it really was one of um, one of the great experiences of of my life. Um, you know, it was uh, two years of um, thinking. You know, uh, uh, thinking about writing. Um, you know. Uh, connecting with other people who were like you, mm-hmm. you know, um, that uh, that took writing seriously, that didn't see it as a, a hobby, you know, um, which you know you, you're you're somewhat of a curiosity when you work in an office um, in some type of uh, you know corporate setting, you know, that you're you're the guy that writes in a spare time, and and it's a little bit of a conversation piece, you know. Uh, yeah, Will here uh, wrote a book, you know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and, and, and it's something to talk about, but um, it's not, you know, at, at Bennington or in, a, in an MFA program in in, in general, um, you, you know, they, it, it's very serious. It's taken seriously. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's, it validates it, something inside you. I mean, could I probably keep, Right, you know, I I think I could I could have done it probably without the MFA program. I mean, um, I, you know, education. I I don't know if it, they they don't teach you how to write. I mean, presumably you know how to write when when you go there. I mean, just being accepted in the program, I think, kind of validates like okay, well, you can do this. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it it's um, it, it was more. I would say 50% of the experience is just the the, the community of writers that yeah. um, that you meet, um, and, and you know at that time Facebook was just uh, really catching on. So um, it, you know, so it, it, it's it's good. And I'm I'm a bit of an introvert. Um, I don't know if I would have been able to to, to keep those connections. Um, once I left there, I'm I'm not good with that. Um, I've got a small circle of friends. And that's it. But um, you know, it, it, with with um, Facebook, you know, you can stay connected to everybody. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, there, there's this community of writers that uh, that I stay stay connected with. Um, but you know, it, it was also an opportunity to to work with uh, you know some some fairly big time writers. Um, Amy, well, I, I mean, some of them I I didn't actually get to work with, but you get to know them. Uh, like a- Amy Hempel, uh, you know, um, Susan Cheever, uh, you know, uh, David Gates. Uh, he was the, the, my first mentor um, there. Um, you know, Brian Morton. Um, Ask old Melnicek, and then just people coming and going uh, there. Um, you know, there there were uh, you know there were a lot of different people in the program. Uh, you know, um, the, the, there's the uh, the guy that runs um, the uh, Palm Desert uh, uh, program, uh, Todd Goldberg. He was there at the time, and you know, a lot of different. Uh, a lot of different people. So, and, and you know, being an introvert, I only got to know a few. <laughs> but um, yeah. you know, it, it really does uh, make a difference when you can become immersed in a in a community of writers. Because generally speaking, and you know, I uh, I'm, I'm sure I mean you know this as well as I do. But for people who aren't necessarily writers listening, 
uh, writing is a very solitary thing. And so when we do write, it's generally where we're yeah. alone and we're alone in our head and, and typing. And it's, it's not something that you that you generally do uh, in a crowd, even if you're at Starbucks writing, you're as best as you can tuning, tuning everybody out. So when you can be uh, immersed in a community of writers, it, it's, um, it's, it's a, it's a unique experience. It's a really nice experience. Again, in my case, I, I didn't get to go to an MFA. I, I, I imagine I would have enjoyed it if I, if I had, I had, I pursued that route. Um, I did get to spend a week uh, at the Squaw Valley Community of Writers in 2005, which is, um, it's, it's, it's almost in my memory of it. It was like, it was like writers summer camp. It was just so much fun kind of going away for a week and, uh, being just surrounded by, I mean, the, the faculty, the, the faculty was, was amazing. Some really great writers. Um, uh, the, I, I remember the, you know, the star of the bunch, uh, was Amy Tan. She came in, I think and for, in, I think, oh, for wow. maybe one evening and, uh, just was terrifically nice. And I'm sim- similar to you. I'm very much an introvert. So I, I, I wanted to meet her, but then I was scared to meet her. And one of the friends I'd made that week, you know, I, I, I begged them, don't let me leave this room without saying hi to Amy Tan because I'll do it because I'm terrified. Um, there was also uh, Anne Lamott who wrote Bird by a Bird. She was there, and and so wow. uh, so was, uh, along with the uh, like the, the the writers, there were you know agents and editors and, and authors, just to be amongst people like myself, just a bunch of people who were just passionate about trying to become writers, even if we didn't exactly know what that meant at that very moment in time. It was just this thing that we were excited about and passionate about. And generally speaking, um, you don't often, well, you know, I'll speak for myself. I don't often meet people who are passionate about both writing and also becoming writers and, and, and publishing. So so to be surrounded by with people who were only thinking about that for a week, um, it is a, it, it, it was a, a really, really wonderful experience. And so I, I like to imagine uh, you know, like that week was possibly a microcosm of what it might have been like if I'd got to go to a, 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 an MFA like yourself. Um, as far as your experience in the MFA, uh, I, I, like I'm certain that you that you that there were just countless lessons, big and small, that uh, that uh, that influenced you and that you walked away with. But um, are, 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 what were some of the just some of the big the big lessons the big takeaways that even every every time you sit down to write that you're still influenced by after spending time in the MFA well um you know there, there there's a you know there there's a few things um you know in in general i always remember um uh david gates um in in one of the uh workshops um that we had it said um uh, about uh, about your characters to, to, to uh, uh, when when, um, when writing your characters you're, you're creating them to re- to think of it that uh, every character in your story thinks he or she is the main character um, and, and that was a good way of uh, of thinking not just about your your protagonist uh, and their his or her motivation but also what do these other characters want? Um, you know, what does, you know, if I was to, you know, think, uh, isolate uh, one particular character and say, well, what, what, if, if they were the main character, what would they want? You know? Um, so, so that was important. And that's something that when I, when I, uh, revise, um, 
whatever I'm working on, I'll, I'll try to look at it from the different characters' points of view, even though I'm not going to to write in that particular character's point of view. Um, it at least helps me to try to flesh them out a little bit more. Um, you know, I remember Brian Morton saying uh, in another workshop that, um, you know, when uh, when you get stuck, uh, you know, because in it, it, Bennington is uh, very much just about literary writing more than genre or any type of plot-driven fiction. So, you know, it's the, the old uh, E.L. Doctorow, you know, writing uh you know, not knowing what's going to happen any further than your, your headlights. Uh, <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, you know, um, and, uh, he said that at a certain point when you get stuck and you don't know what's going to happen next, have your character, have your main character do something out of the ordinary, something that they wouldn't normally do. Um, and, and so that, that's another thing I think of sometimes when I'm kind of like, you know, I'm sitting down at my desk and, uh, and I just don't know where I'm going with it. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll try to think. Well, what what would this character normally do in a situation? And oftentimes, it's you know, I think to myself, what would I do? <laughs> yeah, and then I do the opposite uh, because I I live a very uninteresting life. So, uh, <laughs> so and I I try to you know, minimize my risk. So I think, well, I'm going to make this character take some type of risk that I wouldn't take. You know, um, so you know, there was that. Um, yeah, the, the the workshops were interesting, um, and, and I, I'm I'm not I don't know how I feel about the uh, workshop experience in, in general. Um, I, I just I remember my my first workshop. Um, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. I had been a, a member of a, a few uh, writers groups for you know a period of time. Uh, critique groups before I ever went into the MFA program and, and thought, well, this is like a workshop, you know. Um, but uh, I, I guess I wasn't really prepared for um, the, um, and, I, and I can't say it was competitive because I, I don't see it that way, but, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting to uh, to see somebody's work get uh, dissect it, mm-hmm. um, and, and, it, and it took a while for me to understand that that that's it, it doesn't matter. You could put the Great Gatsby on the table. That the 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 purpose of the workshop is to dissect it, um, and then I also it took me a while to, to think. Well, you know, I, I, when a when a certain piece is workshopped, it's not necessarily for the benefit of the writer of that piece. But the benefit of the entire workshop, mm-hmm. um, you, you know. So um, it, it's interesting in, in that respect. But it, but it, it's easy to take it personally and and, and to have a lot of. <laughs> I remember walking away uh, from my first workshop thinking, "Man, I don't know if I belong here." <laughs> like, uh, wow, that was like uh, getting a punch in the gut, you know. Uh, and then having people say, "Hey, that you had a good workshop," you know. Like, and I'm like, "That was good," you know. <laughs> like, you, you know. But uh, but also it was interesting because I, I remember um, going in there. I, I I don't know if I was necessarily a very uh, sophisticated reader. You know, um, I, I I wasn't maybe as well read as some of the other students. Um, you know, I, I I read what I liked to read. You know, and 
if I started something and it seemed uh, boring, I, you know, I wasn't going to waste my time with it. I, mm-hmm. I you know, um, so um, you know, go, going in there, I thought, man, I, I you know, I've got like uh, once I got accepted, I thought, oh, I better brush up on on. Uh, my literary uh, <laughs> reading, and so you know, I got a subscription to the New Yorker, and and, and that was probably the wrong thing to do, um, <laughs> because I, I started to read um, the New Yorker stories, and I was like, I don't write like this, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I don't even understand these stories, you know. So, um, so I I thought I I instead of what I normally write, I I was trying. to you know, for for the workshop, because uh, you had to send your stuff in ahead of time. Um, I thought, man, I, I better uh, I better adapt this New Yorker style of of uh, writing, where there's no plot and you know, it, it's just a voice. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 what I wrote was awful, you know. <laughs> but uh, I, I and I thought, well, it, you know, it's a it's a work in progress. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, and and then when I got there and realized that people were submitting stuff that was uh, really polished, you know, um, and mine was like, I'm like, oh god, you know, and uh, I remember just like, you know, like basically, and and it's weird because there is a kind of a pile on mentality, I think, in a workshop where yeah. um, they they wait for the they wait for the the instructor to say something, and then it's kind of. And and, I don't, and it's probably not fair uh, to say it's it's a pile on, but it, it's more along the lines I think of the the, the um, once the instructor points out some of the the uh, shortcomings of a piece, mm-hmm. um, that then I think it, it's easy to build on that, and and it's just the instructor I think just trying to to prod this group of people to mm-hmm. talk, you know, um, and and again, it, and it took some time for me to understand all of that and, and to. To, to develop a thicker skin, um, and um, which I did, um, and you know, by by the time I was done uh, there, I was you know, you, whatever, you know what I mean? Like you, <laughs> know, you yeah. would it would roll right off your back. You I know, know exactly I mean? what and, you and mean. It, right, and, and it really it, it's it's good preparation for when your stuff goes out there because mm-hmm. no matter what you write, you're, not everybody's going to like it. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. Um, you know, Amazon uh, reviewers are, are, are rough. You know, <laughs> um, you, you know, you, you're you're not going to get all good reviews. So, um, but uh, yeah, the the, the work, workshop experience w- was interesting in, in that respect. Um, you know, and I remember uh, one of the guys, uh, one of the writers was Tom Bissell, was one of the uh, um, faculty members. The, the way they had set it up, they, they had. Um, they would have two um, two groups. Um, like, well, I, sh- I should back up. Bennington will assign you a, uh, a, a like a mentor for for the the semester, and, and that that faculty mentor will have you and maybe three or four other um, students, you know, for that term. And then once you once you you're, you're there, you're on campus for ten days. It's low residency, so they. They fit in all the lectures and the faculty readings and all that within 10 days that you would have in, in the workshops, which would be stretched out normally over a semester. You get it all on the front end. And then when you go home, um, you, you've, for the rest of the semester, you're working one-on-one with that mentor and, and um, sending in packets um, of writing, you know, 25 pages of, of uh, creative writing, 
um, you know, annotations. You have to annotate. You're, you know, you're, you're assigned so many books uh, to read. Uh, you know, a, a, a semester. Um, it, it's a, you know, it's a list that you and your, uh, you and your mentor uh, agree on, and then you, you have to annotate uh, a certain amount of uh, of your reading uh, and send that in. You, you know. Uh, you're taking scenes and breaking them down, uh, trying to, to explain how how it works, why it works. Um, so um, in the workshops, um, they they normally take like two fiction uh, groups, and, and so it would be two um, faculty members in fiction that would uh, you know would oversee the 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 workshop. Now that first workshop I was in, they were doing something experimental where um, it was a split genre where they had one fiction and one nonfiction. And uh, uh, Tom Bissell was the, the nonfiction guy. So there was a nonfiction group with the fiction group. So that was also pretty interesting, you know, <laughs> for my first experience <laughs> to be in there in a, a split genre. And I, I, it's kind of funny. I remember, um, you know, uh, ahead of time, uh, the, the faculty would um, would read your stuff for the workshop and then make comments. And, and I, I just remember uh, Tom Bissell had given me like two, I think it was like two pages worth of like typed feedback. And, and it seemed like it just, everything about what I wrote pissed him off. <laughs> and I don't know if it was like maybe he, he was uh, caught him in a, a bad mood or, or you know, or, or whatever. But it was kind of funny because then then uh, I got to know him a bit in, in the workshop. And then, like, there were three extra pages of, like, handwritten notes uh, on top of it. So, like, that was that kind of tempered the, the first two pages of it and, uh, you know, it, it, it was uh, it was interesting, and, and it, it was you know, I, I, and I really appreciate it that somebody um, it took that much time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and took my work that seriously, and, and that was the comment I think that he basically put on there, like, uh, I'm sorry if this comes off as harsh, and I don't mean it to be. Uh, I, I just you're paying to be here. I, I'm you know, I I, I want to take your work as seriously as I take my own work. So and I appreciated that, you know, um, and and you know, I, and I think I, I walked away then from that workshop knowing that um, I, I'm not I'm not paying to be here to get a, a pat on the back to tell me everything that I'm doing right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm here actually to get my ass kicked and, and to learn uh, to get my money's worth and to leave here a better writer than you know than the one that I was when I came into the program. So. Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a great perspective to go into, especially uh, uh, in this case, a, a creative writing program. Uh, you know, it, like, because the workshop, the, the creative writing workshop experience, you know, the, the way you described it is very much the way that, uh, that I think that I, I, I experienced it when I was doing my, um, uh, my, my BA at uh, Cal State San Bernardino and I uh, majored in English creative writing. So that was my first experience doing um, workshops on a regular basis, and and so I and and, uh, and actually even more than that because when I was in, when I was in my my in the the BA program, um, not I guess not not well not not everybody took writing this seriously as I did, and I hope that doesn't sound as bad as it did in my head. But like I had really <laughs> you know big ambitions of doing this, where some of them were, you know maybe they had a passing interest or it was just a class to take to check off a box on their way to graduation. Um, but when I was at the, the Squaw Valley Community of Writers, um, I only had an opportunity to, to workshop one 
story that week. It was actually uh, the first chapter of a book that I never did anything with, but um, except that it was the first time that I attempted to write a book. And uh, and and so so your 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 description of of sort of you know other writers kind of piling on. Um, at least from my experience, that's that's not wrong. <laughs> that was very much my experience, and and I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily, you know, the, the people that I was workshopping with, they weren't bad people. Many of them I had a, a nice time meeting and chatting up that week, um, but my my perception of it then and even today is simply that you know, uh, part especially uh, I think part of being a writer, especially being a writer who's learning how to write. There's a lot of insecurity in that, and and um and so I think that insecurity manifests itself sometimes in sort of you know uh, just uh, for lack of a better word shitting on another writer's work during a workshop. Yeah. And uh and and so uh I know, I know one thing I had to learn, and I'm sure you probably had to kind of learn the same thing was during a workshop like that. Um, being able to filter out what was actually useful feedback and what was just that's that's either that's either sort of you know them being sort of insecure and not being terribly nice or I just can't do anything with that so just sort of but once I I know once I've sort of got attuned to that part of developing that hard shell for um, a relatively rough workshop was being able to just totally filter out not even filtering out negative comments, but filtering out the stuff that just had no bearing on what I was doing and I couldn't make any use of it and being able to really like tune in and hear something like, Oh wow, that's, that's a great point. I, I didn't even think about that. And I could, I could definitely, I can definitely use that. And it, even in that one uh, workshop experience, I had at uh, Squaw Valley and I know you could relate to this because it sounds like a similar experience you had is it, it, it was, um, I, I think all all told, it was about an hour long workshop, which is pretty normal, and it started okay. Like the 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 group itself, they weren't terribly overwhelmed with my with my work, but I whatever I could live with that. And it just see, I, 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 I almost felt like that um, because we had to. Uh, it was we were basically we were scheduled to kind of fill up roughly about an hour, and it almost felt like you know after. 30 some odd minutes that, um, you know, maybe the workshop had run its course, but because we weren't done yet, they kind of had to keep talking, I guess. And so because there was more time to talk, it kind of gave them room to just little by little start creeping into just sort of negative over the top, just sort of, you know, everybody taking their turn to, you know, point out something that they didn't like or hated and somebody else agreed. And then it became a lot of that. And uh, and I was mostly fine with it because I was just happy to be there. Uh, and then after it was over, um, you know, I, I ran into the, uh, the 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 writer who was um, moderating the workshop. Who, in retrospect, um, I, and I'm not even upset with him, but I'm I'm not even 100 percent certain he read the story that I wrote. And uh, and I don't think he was at all prepared to actually moderate the workshop. So I think he was just kind of present, kind of going through the motions. But uh, but I think he, he he he, I guess he recognized what was happening. Not that he stopped it per se, but afterwards I, I happened to run into him um, outside, and again I was just happy to be there. So I I went up and said hello and said you know thank you so much for uh, for you know for the workshop and you know that was that was, um, that was really great or something like that, and uh, and he looked at me and and uh, 
uh, and he again he wasn't even being I, 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 he he was being very sincere when I when he asked me like when I said that was great and he was like was it and because <laughs> uh, and and he and because you know I, I almost feel like he uh, and this could be me sort of revising history in my memory but I don't think I am I definitely think he felt bad for the workshop and I'm pretty sure he probably felt bad that uh, you know if it was going off the rails maybe he didn't uh, you know. <laughs> Bring, you know, make it a little bit more productive. But I, at, at that point for me, I had already, uh, I wasn't bulletproof in my mind necessarily, but I was very confident on the path that I was on. And so, you know, that same workshop a few years earlier probably would have destroyed me. But, but like at that point, it's not that I didn't care, but I, you know, I, I could, hear it and then brush it off because I like in my mind like I knew what path I was on and I was doing just fine um so I think similar to you I've got mixed feelings about workshops overall for me they were great and I learned uh, a lot but you know it, it is important to have whoever the, the teacher or whoever is in there moderating it it's it's definitely it's um it's a it's 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 not it's not a job to be taken for granted. Like you, you definitely want to make sure that you're keeping it um, productive and uh, and you know, and so in in so far as it's necessary, you know, protecting the writer being critiqued so it doesn't get you know un, unnecessarily uh, brutal. Um, but along with workshops, though, along with along with uh, wanting to be a comic book artist and then giving up that dream, and then along with uh, you know, going through some uh, relatively brutal uh, creative writing workshops. Uh, a couple other things that we have in common. It's like, you know, like I'm looking in a mirror. Um, I, I spent uh, nearly a decade of my life as a college professor, primarily in a community college teaching uh, teaching composition. Uh, but I also spent uh, just, a, just a, I had a handful of opportunities to do, uh, to give talks and uh, creative writing workshops at a, at, a, at a men's federal prison in California. And so, so these are uh, two parts of your life that are that are that are relevant right this very moment. That, as you mentioned earlier, you're a an adjunct college professor, uh, but you're also teaching at a at a at a at a, at a, at a prison as a at a correctional uh, system. So, I would uh, just love to hear a little bit. Um, I, I'll be honest; I'm mostly interested in, uh, in in teaching at a prison, but also uh-huh. uh, as somebody who used to be a college professor. Um, I, I definitely feel a, a kinship to, 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 to that world and that profession, um, especially insofar as how it uh, affected my, my writing career, which was uh, oh, really overwhelmingly positive. I don't think there was any one negative thing that teaching had in, in terms of my writing because, I mean, it gave me time to write because the schedule was very, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, it left me with a lot of time to write. Also being in a profession where I was teaching writing and talking about writing, the fact that my brain was always in some form or fashion thinking about writing, I think, um, helped when it was time to sit down and, and write. It wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't like a huge you know, leap for that. Um, and, and the experience that I had doing a creative, work, a creative writing workshops and just kind of giving uh, writing talks at, uh, at the, the men's federal prison that, that I did it at, it was a really, really wonderful experience. Um, I was definitely scared because I didn't know what to expect. I, my only real... My only real uh, context was the, the Shawshank Redemption, so I, I didn't want to, you know, <laughs> I didn't want to get cornered yeah. in someplace dark. But once once I got in there, it was it was so fun, and, and the, the 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 men that I was you know talking to and working with were so 
nice and open and wanted to learn and and you know I it, without even you know at some point like the the jumpsuits kind of went away and the fact that we were in a prison went away and it was just just me in a room helping people kind of learn about writing and it was a really great experience so I would I'd love to hear some of your some of your uh, uh, overall takeaways to to being a, a college professor but also um, recently spending time uh, teaching writing in the in, in a you know for in prison well you know and, and it's funny um, you know we'll, well maybe start off backwards here um, you know you, you said about how the uh, the jumpsuits um, sort of fall away and, and you know it just becomes a, a classroom and um, I, I, um, I I attend uh, not regularly enough but um, a um, uh, a Zen center um, a little yeah, near uh, Williamsport, um, and uh, just maybe about a month ago, uh, went to a, a function uh, there, and um, uh, I was speaking with um, one of the uh, Sangha members who who was retiring, and uh, um, she um, she was a longtime professor at Bucknell uh, University. And uh, apparently, I think had taught in the uh, prison uh, system at, at some point. But uh, she said to me, um, you know, she said there, there's not really much separating us from them, um, you know. And, and we start to talk about that a bit. And I said, yeah, you know, it's we all get angry, we all lose our temper from time to time, uh, we all sometimes make bad decisions, but. Um, you know, it is a very fine line between us on the outside and them. You know, and, you know, the difference is maybe that, you know, you and I, we can step up that line and not cross it. And, you know, certain causes and conditions, like you know, the perfect storm arises and... You know, the, 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 they cross the line for whatever reason, um, and, and they end up in there, uh, you know. And um, so I, I think about that. Um, and, and, you know, I've made it a point. I, I mean, I know I could look up uh, online to see what each of these guys have, have done um, to be in there, and I, I prefer not to. Now, you know, I, I from time to time they write uh narrative uh descriptive essays personal essays where um they often will write about what they did um to end up there uh and, and so sometimes you you do learn you know whether whether they killed somebody or, or whatever um but um you know there, there's some guys you talk to and you think boy i i can't you know what'd this guy do <laughs> you know what i mean like what why is he here like he seems seems sensible you know um and, but they all do you know they're all uh, in a weird kind of way it's like a fraternity in there um you know and, and um that they're you know uh, the, the the classes yeah i te- teach at two different places um the you know the, the one um the one prison it, it, the, the 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 one class in particular is uh they're they're a little bit more looser, um, a little bit more boisterous and, and uh, less refined. Um, the the other class, um, uh, they're fairly uh, they're fairly quiet. Um, but it, you know it, it, it's interesting, um, and, and I always take into consideration when I'm there, like because you know, they're they're gonna 
I often hear them say motherfucker, or, you know, whatever, like in the classroom. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, you know, it, it's a different, um, it's a different environment. And, uh, I, I would prefer, I, I'd rather just adapt to their environment than vice versa. It's just easier for one guy to, you know, uh, I mean, there's definitely, it, there's definite rules. I mean, they, they can't be, uh, they can't be disrespectful. They can't, um, you know, they, 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 there can't be any kind of, uh, it's like uh, arrested development, you know, no touching, no touching. <laughs> um, there, there's no, there's no touching. Um, yeah. And I, it, uh, they do equip me with like a, a body alarm, uh, you know, that uh, I can push a button and, and at any point it turns a microphone on and, you know, and I can yell swarm or whatever. And, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> wow. they'll, they'll come in there. And, uh, but, um, you know, I, I, I mean, for the most part, what I, what I, my mindset going in was that, you know, I, I I'm, I'm not going to treat these guys any different than I, than I would treat any other student. I'm going to treat them with respect. Um, I, I run a fairly loose classroom. I, I like to joke, um, you know, when you're teaching a comp one class, I mean, and, and you're teaching the five paragraph essay and, you know, compare and contrast that, I mean, it's dry. It's pretty dry. So um, I, I try to, to, to joke uh, as much as I can to keep keep them interested and, and keep them awake. Um, you know, currently we're we're um, I'm doing an intro to literature class, which is you know more interesting. And, and uh, you know, there's a number of guys that um, that I know are interested in, in um, creative writing. Um, and and really, um, you know most of them are, are really good writers, um, which, uh, is not always the case, um, when, when I, I'm teaching outside, you know, at one of the, uh, campuses, um, you know, it's a community college, so everybody gets in, um, there, there's no, um, there's no vetting. I mean, uh, it, the, 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 the community college itself is a way, I guess, to, uh, of vetting, uh, students and, and filtering out who really can cut it and who, who can't, you know, and, uh, I, I mean, I'm not sure what your experiences were when when you taught at a community college, but um, I, I mean, I I don't consider myself a tough instructor. Um, you know, I don't uh, I don't grade particularly hard. Um, I, I, I'm not in that whole mindset of like you know I teach and then test them. I, I'm all, all I'm trying to do is make them better writers and prepare them for the next uh, the next level. So, um, but you know. I'll I'll start off at the beginning of the semester with 20 or 22 students, and and by the time the final exam comes around, I'm down to about 10 or 12. <laughs> they just they drop off, you know. Um, that their lives they're they're too busy. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it, it's difficult. Um, you're you're competing with iPhones and and short attention spans because of all the, the technology and, and, you know, I mean, I, I'm standing in front of a class lecturing and I see the glow of candy crush, you know, coming up <laughs> from under the desk and, uh, you know, uh, it, it's just not to mention, I mean, if you teach one, if your class meets once a week, it's all, it's like a three hour class, basically yeah, like yeah. two hour and 45 minutes, you know, and, um, they've had a long day, you know, I've had a long day. Um, but they, they start putting their heads down on the desk and, <laughs> it's like they had enough, you know. Whereas in prison, these guys, they don't have those distractions. Um, that you know, some of them been in there long enough that they 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 pretty much missed out on most of the internet. So like they they don't they, you know smartphones are yeah it's a concept to them. Um, they they come to class they you know they're you you look out 
in the classroom and you've got you know you've got every one of these guys looking back at you i mean they're 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 with you the whole way you know um they ask questions um they turn their assignments in on time you know um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, I, I can't, uh, I can't complain. I mean, it, it, these guys, you know, you, you lose one or two here and there for some type of reason, like they just, they're not there anymore, and be like, hey, where's so and so, and then, you know, it, these guys all come from different, uh, you know, cell blocks or whatever, so they don't always see each other except in class, mm-hmm. and then you'll ask a guard, and they'll be like, oh, he's in the, he's in the hole. <laughs> I'll be like, well. <laughs> You know, I, I've seen Orange is the New Black. I know that's not a good place to be. So I imagine, and then I'll think, man, what that guy? You know, he's a good student, and and he's he's an older guy, and he's sensible. What what caused him? To, you know, but then again, it, it's a it's a totally different environment, and and, and you know, it's it, so who knows what 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 happened uh, to cause somebody? To, yeah, they'll go in the the shoe, the special housing unit, and you're like, man, what happened there? You know, but. Uh, um, yeah, it's just, um, <laughs> it's different. It, it, there, there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of drawbacks as far as technology. You know, the, the one, the one prison has, um, Dell, uh, desktop computers in the room. The other, the other one doesn't. I mean, these guys have to, um, have to write out, uh, you know, in longhand, you know, uh, their, their essays. And, and you know they're doing research papers, and it's kind of hard to grade MLA style when it's all <laughs> handwritten on a you know a legal pad. Um, but um, you know they they're, it, it, they just started it um, the, the the prison program. I guess apparently they they weren't eligible for Pell grants for a while, and now they are. Um, and I and I know you know I know there's a sentiment of people that are like this is you know. This isn't fair. They shouldn't. They, they, you know, they commit a crime and now they're going to college for free. And and I, I can see that. I, I understand that that viewpoint. But I also think, um, based on the statistics, um, these guys are less likely to go back into the system again um, if they have a college degree or you know if they take college courses. So, um, you know, I, I I think it's a good thing. Um, I, I don't think people should see it as uh, hey, it's free college. I, I think it, it's it, it's helping it make these guys less likely to be criminals when they come back out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and some of it I think is just uh, it, I think it, it's good for their it's good for their morale. Uh, you know, it it, uh, it gives them something. Um, you know that that they can um, they can hang their hat on. That, you know, maybe it, that that won't because uh, a lot of them you know. At, they, they're curious about college, like like they want to know about how they can transfer their credits when they get out of there, and, and you know, you know, where 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 can we go to college? Where, you know, where where can we transfer these credits to, and, and this and that, you know, and uh, you know, I I think that's good that they're thinking that that's where their minds are. Like, how can I finish my degree when I get out of here, rather than you know, um, you know, get get together with the old uh get the band back together again <laughs> like knock off a, a 7-eleven so um you know it, it's uh, I, I think it's good for society uh you know and, and uh I, I just you know i think it's a, it's a good thing and i think they're 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 good writers i mean i, I don't know how they are in their other courses but i know <laughs> i know they write pretty well so 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you that uh, in terms of, you know, the the prison system, that the rehabilitation aspect is, is for me, it's really important because it's, you know, it, it's not necessarily, you know, the, the people going away to prison uh, aren't going away forever, you know, with, with, the, with the exception of, you know, I guess if they have, if they have a, a life term, but, but, you know, at some point they're going to be back in society. And so I, I would, I, I would, you know, I, I'd like to, to, to believe that uh, prisoners, especially prisoners who at some point are going to be introduced back into society, have some opportunity to rehabilitate themselves in some form or fashion and, and that, that they can actually, you know, A, give themselves a chance to actually be productive members of society once they get out. And then B, just, you know, just uh, if, uh, if I'm, I'm going to be sharing a, a world with them, I, I, I'll feel more comfortable knowing that um, they, you know, the time that they were put away, it wasn't just that they were put in a cage and, and you know, meant to be, you know, punished because that's, you know, I, I mean, on the one hand, certainly if they created some, some crime and then, uh, you know, the, the system, you know, decided that this was the punishment for that crime, that I'm totally good with all of that. But you know, it, it, when you're when you're dealing with with people and human beings, and you know uh, that you know, if, if you're if you're only gonna you know put somebody in a cage and and you know uh, essentially make them suffer when they are reintroduced in society, you're very possibly gonna get somebody worse than the person that went in there. So I think I think the rehabilitation aspect, the education aspect, uh, you know, I, I'm totally in line with you. I think it's uh, it's it's I think it's a good thing for everybody involved, not just the uh, the prisoner in question. Yeah, and, and you know, they're not going to they're they're felons. They have criminal records. They're not going to steal anybody's jobs. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, um, it, it, they're they're not going to take your uh, accounting job or <laughs> you know, um, finance jobs. Um, they're you know, they their their record doesn't go away. Um, and and I, I think they understand that it, it's not gonna it, it, it's not gonna be a, a, a you know a, a golden path uh, when they leave there that that you know the world is going to be their oyster and they know life is going to be difficult when they get out of there uh, with or without a, a college degree um, I, I think you know some of it probably is to also help you know when they um, when they have to go up before a parole board obviously you know they can. Um, use that as well to say, listen, I'm, you know, turning my life around. I'm taking college courses. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's a way to, um, you know, to show their, their loved ones on the outside, you know, family members, uh, girlfriends, you know, uh, children, that uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm dedicated to, to turning this around. Uh, so. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not somebody like I, I don't really think you should give up on on people. Um, you, you know, uh, like you said, we're we're going to have to share the world with them at a certain point. Uh, you know, you'd rather have them uh, come back out w- with a definite uh, focus on on, uh, on trying to do something with their lives rather than um, the next big score. And, and uh, you know, I, I think it it just makes it uh, safer for all of us. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. So on top of uh, everything else, private investigator, uh, claims adjuster, college professor, uh, you're, you're uh, of course, the, the sort of, uh, in my mind, the obvious, but, uh, but you know, we haven't talked about it at great length. You're also an author. And at this point in your career, you've got five books under your belt, which is very impressive. 
the I don't know if it's the most recent, but definitely one of the more recent books you have is Free Range Men, which came out in September of 2014. And uh, another one is, you know, the, the late great Thor McHugh. Um, I, uh, of, of the books, of the, of the more recent books, um, what would be the book that you would, that you sort of, uh, would, uh, when, you know, your, your readers might recognize you by? Um, hey, you know, good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they they've widely, uh, been read by no one. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I suck at, at promotion. So, um, I, I like to write, uh, I'm, I'm not particularly good at, um, at selling myself. Um, you know, they're, they're very different books. Uh, it's part of the, the, I think it's part of my problem as far as branding goes. Um, I, I'm all over the place. Um, I, I don't, I don't write any particular genre. Um, if, if I guess if anything, uh, if any of the books have anything common thread in common besides the fact that I wrote them, uh, would be uh, I, I try to uh, you know uh, inject some humor into it. Um, you know, free free range men. Uh, I tend to think of as, as a, a tragic comedy. Uh, I guess um, you know. Um, the, the Thor McHugh uh, novel was more of a um, um, not so much postmodern, although I, I think I, I kind of played around with some stuff in there, uh, but but uh, uh, more comedic. Um, it, it, I was thinking in terms of like a like a Wes Anderson type of uh, film, mm-hmm. um, you know. Um, whereas it's free range men, I, I kind of imagine that as almost like a gritty uh, indie. Uh, film about uh, you, you know uh, uh, about a sad sad literary man you know um, <laughs> it's it, uh, you know that the um, the difference I guess too uh, with free range men it, it, you can uh, you can get the, it's an actual hard copy uh, book um, Thor McHugh is a uh, an ebook on uh, that you can find on on Amazon. I mean, at Free Range Men, I think you can mostly get through the uh, through the publisher, which is uh, uh, Mint Hill Books and, and Main Street Rag. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it, it it's a it's a rough go getting reviews and, and uh, you know, everything else. Uh, you know, Free Range Men, I, I got a decent review from. Uh, the um, uh, small press uh, book review, um, you know, which was really nice. Um, you know, uh, Thor McHugh, not many people read. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and a, a book prior to uh, the uh, There's Only One Quantum um, was a, um, uh, worked within like a, a Philip Dick uh, dystopian uh, future like a social satire, um, and, and I think the the problem with that book was that I think people read it as a straight up sci-fi, and I really wasn't going there with it. Um, I was, it was more uh, uh, again some, some comedic elements to it, but um, um, I don't know. Uh, anyway, fr- uh, I, I would try to push Free Range Men. I guess <laughs> I okay. think that's probably the better the, the book. Um, <laughs> No, I, I think that I think that's fair. I mean, you know, I think no matter how much we write, 
uh, you know, the, you know, there's definitely the books there that, uh, that you know, in our in our minds and our hearts, we sort of know the ones that we that uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean. I, I, I don't have kids, I don't have children, but I imagine it's kind of like your children, like, you know, you let them all the same, but quietly in the part of your brain that you'll never say out loud, you sort of know which one. <laughs> uh, you, you know, maybe just uh, slightly Ever. in the lead. Um, so with the, so with Free Range Men, uh, for anybody uh, anybody who hasn't read it, what would you like them to know about this book? And... Um, well, it, it, like I said, it, it's... Um... Well, well, well it, let me start off by saying it's not autobiographical, um, which is weird because th- there are elements that sound uh, like my life, um, and, and weirdly, some stuff that happened uh, um, later in my life. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, I uh, actually was writing this novel, I think, when I was still married. So, uh, but I'm now divorced, and it's. Uh, you know, it's a novel about a character. The main character is divorced, but oddly enough, it wasn't. You know, maybe it's art imitating life. And at a certain point in the in the book, which was written three years ago, the the main character starts teaching in a prison, which again had no idea that was going to happen. It wasn't something I was necessarily even interested in doing. So. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it's, um, uh, it, it's a, um, a career, uh, middle-aged career, uh, adjunct, uh, English teacher. Um, you know, anybody that knows anything about adjuncts knows that you can't really make a living, uh, as an adjunct. Uh, so th- this guy, uh, is, was married and was, Trying to uh, to keep hanging on to that uh, uh, that career, uh, uh, hoping that he'd be offered a uh, tenure track somewhere. It just never never happens for him, and uh, uh, so it's really about his his misadventures uh, with his two uh, boozy uh, friends. Um, you know, trying to meet women. Um, just you know. Um, Again, going back to the whole Brian Morton uh, thing about have your characters do something that they wouldn't normally do. Um, this character, T.J. Beckerman, uh, who's my protagonist, um, makes all the wrong decisions. Makes all these decisions that uh, I, I wouldn't make, and that that's kind of uh, how I approached the book. Uh, I thought, okay, what would I do here? And I thought, okay, that's what I would do. So he would do the opposite because that makes for more interesting stories. So. Um, yeah, so there, there, there's a lot of, and I, and I try to do it with humor. Um, and, uh, you know, um, uh, like I said, I like to inject humor in, in most of the stuff I, I write. Um, and I, I sometimes think that, that by, by using humor, you sometimes get closer to the, the truth. Um, so you know, I, I and I, I just—it's the type of thing that I like to read, uh, and then I enjoy, um, y- you know. So, um, so that's what's going on in in, uh, in Free Range Men. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, and I, I should say too. I think when I started writing it, um, I had envisioned uh, like a series of linked short stories, uh, but a funny thing happened about 
I'd say about halfway through it, a story arc develops, and it does. You know, there's it. it, The uh, the short stories are actually more like chapters. I mean, it's all. um, It it just kind of took a life of its own, and and this arc developed. Um, And and so I was kind of happy with how how that turned. Now, I mean, uh, are there things I would change now? Probably. You know, I. that's the problem with, with writing. I think anything is that um, you, you, it's always perfect in your mind. That, you know, w- w- when you come up with the concept of it, and as uh, soon as soon as you write that first word, that first sentence, <laughs> I, I think you've you've lost already. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that that as a novelist, you're chasing. Um, you're trying to recreate life, you know, like like uh, like Victor Frankenstein in a, in a, a laboratory, and um, it's that that's that um, just that illusion that we chase, you know. Um, and it's the same thing. Like I, I had envisioned it a certain way, um, you know. Each and every one of the books I write um, is perfect in my head until I start writing it, and then. Uh, it, you know, some of it's, I think my shortcoming, uh, as a writer, uh, some of it is just, uh, the fact that, uh, all novels are flawed. Um, and, and no matter how many times I think I would revise this, I, I couldn't get it to be where I want it to be. It's just, um, and I, and I feel that way about all my, <laughs> all my books. So, <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's, that's all so, so very true. Like with, I've, I've never, I've never read any of my books cover to cover after they've been published. Like certainly in the process of writing them, I read, I'll read them front to back uh, probably more times than I realized just, you know, just going through combing, refining, polishing, changing. And then once, uh, once it's done and it's gone through the publishing process, um, you know, once in a while I'll I'll pick up one of my books, I'll flip through, I might read a random page, um, but I've never read one cover to cover. And, and, Part part of that, not entirely the whole reason, but part of that is, I sort of know that it can't I, that I don't I don't want to see something that that I feel disappointed with or that I would change because because you know it's for, it's it's you know for the most part it's set in stone at this point. I'm not going to go back and change anything, and I would just as soon yeah. not torture myself with that. Can I can I ask you when when you write now? Do, do you revise as you go along? Uh, yes and no. So I, I, um, so I, I definitely, I, uh, I, 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 I'm an outliner for sure. So, so I like to work out, a an outline of the full story arc, but it's always, for me, it's always a very, it's a very, um, mutable outline. So, um, if, if I'm writing and something changes, then certainly I can go back in there and, and change the outline. Uh, in terms of revising, I, 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 I try not to do it too much i like to keep it sort of just full steam ahead and get that first draft on the page um but generally when i when i pick up where i left off i might go back a few paragraphs and just kind of read through partly to see how it sounds partly to maybe to make a few changes but ultimately just to kind of get a certain uh momentum to to kind of jump back into it Um, yeah i I do the same thing yeah yeah i don't do any uh, i don't necessarily do any heavy revisions although i the the book that i'm currently working on it's may it's maybe the exception so it's it's a book where again i've outlined the whole thing 
Uh, and I, I've I've written I would uh, somewhere in the area of uh, fifty or sixty thousand words, and then I sort of, uh, even though I had the I had an outline and I knew the direction the story was going, um, creatively I sort of hit a wall, and uh, motivation wise I kind I kind of hit a wall, and more and more when you know, when I sat down to write I felt like I was forcing myself to do a chore and I sort of lost the the joy of why I was doing it. So I, I put it aside um, and uh, I put it aside with, with, with the thought that, you know, I'll, I'll let the, 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 the well refill, then I'll, then I'll go back to it. And uh, more time passed than I anticipated. And then I started to get anxious. And then what if I never finished this book? And what if I don't, what if I don't find that inspiration again? And during that time, what I ended up doing is I ended up um, writing a, a short story collection, which was a combination of, I'd say, 50% of the stories I'd written, you know, uh, you know, close to 10 years ago, and I kind of dusted them off. And then I wrote some new short stories, and I interconnected and I them, interconnected and, them and, uh, I, and, I, and I put that together. And so going through that process helped kind of reinvigorate the uh, the... the uh, just, just the creative writing process. So now that 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 book, in terms of writing it, that those short stories are done, and so now I've got that nice momentum of I'm writing in, writing again, and pretty much every day. So then I picked up this other book, and so because I haven't looked at it for several months, probably it's, it's I don't think it's been a year, but it's probably been close to a year. So so because it's been such a long time for this one, I went back to chapter one, page one, sentence one, and I'm reading it from the beginning as if I was revising it and going through and, I mean, you know, making changes, but mostly I just kind of want to read to see what, you know, what's there, what was I doing, uh, what am I happy with, and then, you know, with the idea that once I get to where I left off, I'll be ready to, to, to you know, to kind of pick it up. So, so generally speaking, I don't revise as I go but in this this yeah. new book is a little bit of an exception. Yeah, see, I uh, I tend to revise as I go along, um, and, and some days when I sit down to write, I end up writing nothing new. Um, I, I just <laughs> go back and just keep polishing, and uh, I, I chip away at it. Um, you know, like I said, Doctor O says about the headlights. Uh, I, I I tend to to think that my uh, my writing. Uh, his style is more um i'm inching across a, a frozen pond and uh, i can hear the ice creaking and and i know one wrong step is going to uh i'm going to break through the ice so um you know i i'm i i try to inch my way across so um you know it, it it's a, a paragraph here a couple sentences there um Sometimes that's all I get that's new, mm-hmm. uh, and then I go back and and I'm I'm uh, polishing stuff. I'm I'm going back and looking at things uh, with a fresh eye, um, trying to see where I can cut something, um, where 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 something else needs yeah. to be added, um, you know, things of that that nature. Um, you know, and, and it, uh, going back for a second to the whole. Uh, uh, workshop experience in, in, um, MFA program. Um, the, um, the, the odd thing too, uh, about that. And w- one of the, the things that I've learned, 
uh, is that, um, you, you know, uh, good writing is very subjective. Um, having worked with four different um, mentors uh, over over the two-year period there, um, I, I was working on um, a novel at the time, and um, each each mentor had a different vision of where he thought it should go. <laughs> so, um, and I, I used to make the, um, uh, yeah, I used to think to myself, okay, well, uh, f- for this semester, this mentor is going to be my ideal reader. I- I'm just going to try to please, uh, please him, you know, uh, whatever he suggests. And, uh, so then I would move on to the next, um, the next mentor, the next semester, and they wouldn't like a lot of the stuff that the other guy um, suggested. And so I had four versions of, like, the same first 60 pages. And, um, I, you know, I, I stopped writing it because uh, at, at that point I didn't know which way was up. And, uh, you know, it, it's an odd thing, but it, in a sense you have to forget all of it. Like when you leave there, you, you, you know, you, you, you can hang on to the small bits of information like, you know, like, you know, every character thinks they're the main character or have your character do something out of the ordinary, you know, uh, and different uh, bits of advice like that. But I think you also have to just let it all go. You knew how to write before you went in there. And um, your, your writing's going to change regardless. You can't go through those two years without having it have some effect on, on your writing. Um, but, uh, I, I think it's also good to just say, you, you know, uh, now, I'm, now I, I need to go back to writing for me. And, and I, and that's what I did. I, when I, um, when I left there, I, I started writing the Thor McHugh novel. Um, and I, I thought, you know what, this is something that I don't think any of the, my mentors would have necessarily liked. Um, I, I, you know, honestly, I don't think there was a whole lot of depth to the to the book. It, you know, it's not life changing. It was meant to be more uh, of of a goof. I mean, the the um, the, the the two years uh, of writing this heavy, you know, literary stuff, um, and, and depressing stuff. You know, <laughs> um, I, I needed a change. I needed to break out of that, uh, and, and that that's what I what I did. Now I think I came back to my literary roots uh, to some extent. With uh, with free range men, um, but um, you know, I, I was it, it felt nice that the freedom felt nice to just start to write whatever I wanted to yeah. write again, and and not to have to worry about like this won't you know th- this won't pass the uh, the gatekeepers of, of <laughs> the you know <laughs> uh, the, of the literary uh, world. So um, yeah, it, same thing with reading too. I mean, I, I could uh, go back to reading when I wanted to read, and not necessarily because it was on my uh, on my list. And, and and that's the thing I think that nobody talks about when when you leave an MFA program is that it kind of ruins reading uh, to some extent. Um, even now, I mean, I, I'm you know seven six seven years out of there. Um, I, I can't, uh, it's hard to, to lose myself in a book. Uh, I'm always working, you know, I always feel like it's work. Uh, uh, you know, you're always aware of what the author's doing or you're trying to figure out why this works and what, how did they do that? And, you know, um, it, 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 it changes it a bit. Uh, it takes a little something away from, uh, you know, from, from reading. Uh, it's not quite the same experience anymore. 
um, yeah, see, I rarely read for for pleasure. So, <laughs> yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I'll I'll uh, uh, I, when I do read for pleasure, it's probably mostly uh, I, I probably pick up a comic book today quicker than I pick up a, a novel anymore, but. Uh, I do, you know, once in a while try to read a novel just to sort of not get too far away from it. But everything you're saying, I I can and relate I, to. I can relate to a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is, um, you, you know, I'm, I think I'm very uh, uh, suggestible. You know, like um, when when um, like whatever I read, I, I tend to take on that uh, that style and that tone. Um, uh, you know, th- this, um, th- this novel that I've been working on since, uh, I guess it's been since 2014 now. Um, and, and I'm, you know, I'm close to 600 pages on it and I just, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where it's going. I don't know how to end it. Uh, it just keeps going. And, um, you know, it, it when I started writing it, I wanted to, I wanted it to be about 200, 250 pages tops. Um, and, and it got away on me, uh, partly because I started to read Thomas Pynchon and, uh, you know, and, and I, I was, uh, enamored of all the asides and the, the, uh, you, you know, the, the, the different, uh, he just goes off, you know, different characters and different, uh, stories. And, and, uh, uh, I got, I got bit by the, the postmodern bug, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, and I I appreciate it how it took him like you know he'll he'll tell a joke and then 600 pages later there'll be the punchline you know <laughs> um, <laughs> I admired that uh, same thing with like uh, David Foster Wallace you know I'm I'm on my third uh, try at Infinite Jest uh, <laughs> so um, but um, comic books you know uh, I um, they, they, they've been difficult for me to get back into. Um, I, I, I think I, I miss the, um, the. I think I miss the eighties. You know the the that that style. Um, you know the the. I think probably one of the the books that had probably the biggest effect on me, comic book novel whatever it would be probably the uh, the Dark Knight uh, Returns. You know, oh, sure. Frank uh, Miller. Frank Miller. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I could still remember in the '80s uh, getting that in installments. You know, couldn't wait till the next one came in. Uh, you can only, I think, get it through the mail at that point. But um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I it, it does change uh, the way you enjoy a book. <laughs> it really does. It really does. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Will. You've been terrifically generous with your time. I've enjoyed the the conversation so much that I think it's been. <laughs> it's been nearly two hours, and honestly, it's uh, oh, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel like it. I've actually enjoyed this very much, but uh, you know, Not me too. I know uh, you're on a, you're on a different coast, so it's later for you than it is for me. So, um, so, <laughs> so we'll go ahead and start wrapping up. But um, okay. for for the folks listening, uh, if if they want to learn more about you or just maybe maybe contact you, uh, how can how can folks find you? Um, yeah, a couple different ways. Um, I have a. Uh, yeah, I have a, a, a website. Uh, it's a uh, yeah, I, I never remember. What, I think it's uh, www.authorsden.com uh, forward slash uh, w Brian with a y uh, Smith. 
That's my uh, web page that I never update. Um, <laughs> uh, Twitter, you know, I'm on Twitter. Um, it, it's uh, just, you know, W. Brian Smith, uh, again, uh, W-B-R-Y-A-N-S-M-I-T-H. Um, yeah, I need more followers, so, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll definitely try to help with that. Great, great. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it's been great. Uh, I really enjoyed the... Uh, the conversation. Oh, absolutely, me too, and uh, and definitely down the road. I mean, you know, uh, if you you know if you got to you know, get another book out there, you want to talk about it, by all means, come back on. Or if you just find yourself, uh, you know, with uh, nothing better to do, you just want to chat for a while. I'd also be happy to have you on, just because. All right. Well, I'll call you tomorrow then. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my friend. It was great chatting okay. with you, and uh, and you have a great night. Great. Thank you. And that was my conversation with William Brian Smith. I told you, right, such an interesting dude with so many fascinating facets of his life. Uh, a lot of them, I mean, we, t- we, we touched on a lot, uh, but truth be told, um, even though we talked for nearly two hours, I feel like we actually left a lot of topics on the, t- uh, on the table. There was um, a lot that I would still love to talk to Will about and still uh, kind of dig in and, and, and untangle and just explore with him. He's a very, very fascinating dude. Um, and not just because uh, we, we, we were basically the, the same person. He's an adjunct college professor. I used to be an adjunct college professor. He's an author. I'm an author. He's a vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian. He lives in Pennsylvania. I once went to Pittsburgh to watch a, a Steelers game. Actually, fuck, I meant to tell him that. I, you know, I've to see whatever anyway we'll talk again one of these days and then i'll tell him about my experience at the steelers game and he can tell me whether or not he cares so anyway there's that but anyway such such as life in the podcast world uh you can't get it all in and that's why we have multiple episodes right that's why we keep doing this thing week after week anyway that's gonna do it for episode 162 of the martin lestrap show podcast hour I'd like to thank my guest, William Brian Smith, for being just just outstanding, a terrific guest. I really enjoyed having him on the show. And hey, let's see if we can't help get Will a few more Twitter followers, all right? You guys can do that for me, can't you? Find him on Twitter at, at WBrianSmith. That's Brian with a Y, so at W-B-R-Y-A-N. S-M-I-T-H, at W. Brian Smith. Go on there, follow him, say hello, let him know you listen to the podcast, uh, something like that. I, I've already gone on there and followed him. I did my part. Um, I, I didn't tell him I listened to the podcast yet because as of this very moment, uh, we're still I'm still recording his episode. But by the time you hear my voice, it means the podcast is out and it's available on iTunes and Stitcher and at martinlesstrapshow.com. So, you know... Uh, what are you waiting for? Help him out. He's a nice guy. Anyway, thanks again to William Brian Smith, and thanks to all of you for listening to episode number 162. And until next time, I will see you on the other side.